Hey, good morning, Nashville. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. I am your host, Michael Thayer with Waterstone Mortgage. I'm MLS licensed, and my license number is 173264. Joining me in the studio today, we have the lovely Andrew Brewer. I was like, are you going to say David Lukey, the lovely? Thank you. Hoo, hoo, hoo. He's the stud uh, okay. home builder, <laughs> David Lukey. Good morning, Michael. How are you? Not bad. Yourself? Full. It's getting, it's getting deep in here. <laughs> yes, yes. And the man that knows it all, the genius. <laughs> Jimmy Tidwell. Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Money Man Mike. First one to yes. speak. Chris. So, uh, Chris Corvo, Midtown Title, reporting for duty. Bam. How are you, Mr. Thayer? Not bad. You? I am fantastic. Thank you for asking. And then the man that makes us all sound a hundred times better than we really are. And the genius. And the genius behind the glass, <laughs> JT. What's happening? Well, how are you doing, man? Doing good. Man, can you guys believe we finally got some rain this week? It's about time. About time. There's plenty of wildfires burning around here. I know. It's crazy. I had to look up to see if we were on a, a burn ban in Davidson County because I had some um, yes. flooring we pulled out. And yeah, you are. We are. It's They didn't show anything on the on the Tennessee County map. Wow. Well, don't go camping because well, I You're decided... not supposed to burn in Davidson County anyway. Yeah, you're not. But you, you technically fire pits you can burn stuff in. At least that's what I've Like been. little fire pits for your patio, yes. Yeah. Five. But throwing flooring in a fire pit on your patio <laughs> probably is. Yeah, uh, it works. Uh, Cut it I guess it's open. You have to read the the, uh, the uh, zoning on that. Make sure you're in compliance there. Hey, Jimmy, can we edit this out? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why not? Hey, I had my friend Kim called me and said, dude, I started a fire in my backyard. And I, I mean, I knew there was a burn ban. I just didn't think nothing about it. And I was out there. <laughs> And, before, I mean, she was like, we didn't know more than get it lit. Then the neighbor came over and was like, you better put that fire out. And then she was like, we we literally got the hose and put it out. And within five minutes, the fire department was pulling up. So somebody had also called the fire department on them. We had waited until like six, I don't know, it was about seven o'clock one morning, and it was heavy frost. So, I mean, you could have poured gasoline on the ground, and it would not have caught on fire, you know. And... Everyone around us. Okay, it burns Pe- it. don't don't try that at home. <laughs> <laughs> don't try that. Disclaimer at home. here. Thank you, David. Okay, my question is, why are you starting a fire in the morning? Because it's it the ground was wet. It was frozen with all the frost. Uh-huh. So if if any embers went anywhere, they weren't going. They were going to go out. Gotcha, gotcha. I was I just imagine you having a bonfire at seven in the morning, inviting all your friends over. Yeah, oh, man, we can do that too. <laughs> We party all night. We can do that tomorrow morning if you want. (laughs) Oh, my God. I had to drive to Florida a few weeks ago when I was driving back. It was probably two weeks ago. um, All the way from Atlanta, clear past Chattanooga, it was all smoke. Where the wildfires are burning in North Georgia. I mean, you couldn't even – it was like I was in California. I mean, it was the smoke the whole trip, and that's that's what, an hour, hour and a half? I mean, hour and a half probably between Chattanooga and Atlanta. We stopped to get gas, and – I'm out there with my shirt wrapped around my face, trying to not breathe it in because it's it's smothering wow. to uh, wow. to do that. So it was it was it was pretty intense. I was concerned, but it said we weren't in a band, and like I said, I wouldn't do it in the afternoon. That's for sure. It's too windy, and too crazy. Yeah. But you know what is something we're going to do this afternoon? What's that? Championship football. Championship football is finally here. 
all the college football games getting ready. You know, the Iron Bowl didn't go so well last weekend, but, mm-hmm. um, you know. You had to bring it up, didn't you? Well, you know, War Eagle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like I thought we were going to win, but I still had faith. There's not too many people. I still had hope, so. but, I mean, come on, Alabama's like the best they've been in exactly. a few years. So, so it, it'll be interesting later today and over the week, see how all these bowls shape up. But I'd rather them just put it all into a playoff and be done with it instead of this four-game playoff or four-team playoff. Just 18, 12-team, just do it like every other you know, sports league does instead of this committee crap. But – the money that talks with all those bowls and everything else, I guess, that dictates it all. I think that's a different show, right? No, man. We we're, we talk all things real estate. Real estate, where you know stadiums are at, where football games are played and all that good stuff. We just talk about whatever, well, and on occasion well, it gets to real yeah. estate. <laughs> man, it, well, this, well, knowing the economic impact of the uh, bowl game that they have here in Nashville, I'm going to respectfully disagree. Disagree with what? With what you just said. What I just said. About not not having the Music City Bowl anymore and having a playoff because oh, if think, we if, if you have a playoff system, Nashville's not going to make a list. But the economic impact of that of that Music City Bowl is very yeah. high. That's a fun game too. And, no, and, no, no, and, no. And, and if you go to a, a school like MTSU, you're never going to play in a bowl game again. No, no. I, I, I let me re- retract that part of it. I still think you they have sixty four teams. You no, get, you're gonna, no you're going to play that. until May. There's no way you can do that. Not like college football. I mean, okay, college basketball. So, so right now, what are you, you going to just get rid of? How many? I think there's 80 teams that play in a bowl game right now. Why right? can't you split it up? Why can't you have like your top eight or top ten or whatever? Well, that's what in, they do now. Yeah, but expand it from four and ke- still keep the bowls. <laughs> how long do you want the kids to play? The kids are supposed to actually get an education, right? This is not a sports show. <laughs> I agree with Andrew. <laughs> Moving on. Where we talk all things real estate. That's right. <laughs> War Eagle. Now, if those people at the Music City Bowl would like to purchase a house, that's right. I would love for them to call Andrew Brewer up or call David Lukey up to buy one of his houses. They, they can just go to my website, capitalhomeideas.com, just to view the houses first. If they're just coming in from out of town, just to see how beautiful they are. See? That was a nice segue, Chris. Yes. JT. Yep. You going to buy a house this year? Uh, this year? Well, let me say 2017. No. Mm, probably not. But you're saving up. Yes. Actually, I got to talk to my finance guy and figure out what to do with my money. You want to talk now? Um, my finance guy that's going to uh, help me with making money, <laughs> not spending it. Let me reiterate. I am other in a, finance guy. I yes. am in an antagonist mood this morning for some you, reason. You had a good question for me earlier today. Jimmy, what was that? Um, you know, looking at homes around the area, especially in the last 20 years or so, it seems like they build them so close together now versus, say, the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And I was asking David, it's like, is it possible to buy a new home that's not so close? Could you have, uh, you know, like a lot and a half versus just a regular standard lot? So those are called horizontal property regimes, the proper term here. And that's how they're able to get the houses so close to one another. Well, well I'm, I may be wrong, and we can probably talk about this uh, in the second segment. But, Jimmy, you're just talking about like a normal suburban subdivision where the homes are – you were asking me about 10 foot apart. Is that correct? Yeah, that's how they are now. But what if I wanted yeah. something a little bit – you know, a little more space between me and the neighbors? Yeah, and it, whereas a horizontal property regime, they can be touching. Well, that's what he's saying. That's what all he's seeing right now is that. Well, that's not what I'm building down in Delvin Downs. Well, I know that, but – So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about kind of the routine suburban subdivision. Here on the Money Men Mike Show, where we talk all things real estate. Except for? On News Radio 1510, right? Always. Catch you back on the other side.
Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLSC, where you are listening to the Money Man Mike Show, and we are talking about all things real estate and a whole lot more today. Before the break, we were talking about what kind of properties, Mr. Chris? The term that I referred to was horizontal property regime, which is what JT was referring to that he sees being built everywhere across Nashville, which are these homes that look like they're basically touching one another. Yeah. And there's 15 on one little lot. It's a definition of how of it's like a zero lot line yeah. property. Basically, so it's a zoning designation, and yes. that and that's really in the infill in yes. town. Now, Jimmy, were you talking about that, or were you talking about out in a suburban area? I'm talking more about in suburban areas. Okay, so you're talking about a community like Delvin Downs. Not familiar with Delvin Downs, right. but sure. Well, the one where I'm building in, which okay. is kind of a regular old suburban neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Okay, and our setbacks that are required are. 10 feet total, five and five on each side, 10 feet total. So the houses have to be a minimum of 10 feet apart. And the way they come up with that number is that is the calculation of how far fire basically won't jump on a regular basis without high winds. 10 feet from the property line or literally 10 feet wall from wall? wall. 10 feet wall to wall is the minimum. Okay. Okay. So if you are out looking at communities, regular suburban neighborhoods, and you want a slightly more distance in between your home and the home next to you, the first thing you want to ask the new home sales rep is, do you have any premium home sites? Because there will be some home sites that most builders will have a premium on that will cost a little bit more. Could be anywhere from 1% to 5% more than the rest of them. And sometimes they are a little wider. So you may ask about the width so that, Jimmy, you get that extra width. Mm -hmm. The other thing that you want to look at is if you really want to make sure that you have space in between your homes is look at the width of the home that you're going to have built. I offer homes that are 40 feet wide, and I offer homes that are 52 feet wide in Delvin Downs. So the home that's 40 feet wide is probably going to be 15 to 16 feet from the house next door, and the home that's 52 feet wide is going to be 10 feet, right? right? Yeah. And so it's just as, you know, it's just simple math like that. Now, to answer the question why it's like that, so if you go into a neighborhood like Westmead, everybody's familiar with Westmead over mm-hmm. off of West End Avenue, those acre home sites all used to have sewer systems years and years and years ago. A long time ago, they had, I'm sorry, septic systems. I was I was about to say sorry. sewer systems. That's septic systems. Should have sewer. And so you needed a big septic field, and that's why a lot of those houses are so far from the street because the septic field was in front of the house because the septic field was downhill that from the sense. house. Hmm. Okay, So now... That we have modern sewer in a lot of these neighborhoods, we don't have to be on quite as big a property. The other thing is if you go back, let's say, to the 80s, and you had a straight zoning situation where they said four homes per acre. If you had a 10-acre community, you're going to get 40 homes built there. And the lots are going to go corner to corner to corner. Every inch of that 10 acres is going to be on somebody's property. Okay. Even the entrance monument oftentimes was on somebody's property. Mm-hmm. Now, the modern zoning thing is called cluster zoning. You're not going to get more than those 40 homes on that 10-acre site. But what you're going to get is you're going to get five acres of open space or three acres of open space. And so those 40 homes are going to be on seven acres because there's open space that wraps it so that you can have your stormwater detention. Common area. Your common area. Yeah, your entrance feature is going to be on open space. The benefit to the developer is the roads are shorter. 
So you can more affordably deliver homes and home sites to people because it's less asphalt. And less run of sewer lines and water lines yeah. and stuff like yeah. that, trunk lines. Yeah, everything's a little shorter. The benefit to the homeowners are instead of having your quarter-acre home site and that's it, you don't get to go anywhere else, you not only have your quarter-acre home site, but you also have three acres of open space that you get to enjoy as well, whether okay. it's a field or whether it's a walking area or whether it's whatever. Does that make sense, Jimmy? Yes, it does. So right. I live in the country, and I live in a cow field is what I call it. But yes, there's you like, do. It's like, it's like five houses there, and we're on acre, acre and a half size lots because we do not have sewer where we live. We have septic systems. So, and when you have a septic system, you have to have your main field, and you also have to have a reserve field. That's right. Um, in case the main field fails, you have to be able to have a secondary place to dispose of the waste to do that. And Usually that's front or back or sometimes mm-hmm. at the front yard's big enough they could split it up into two. So so those are zoning minimum one-acre lots that still applies till today in, in our world because of, of where we are and where we live. They're developing a, the farm across the street from us. And there's some very large tracks, five, ten-acre tracks, but there's about seven along the road front is that are one, one-and-a-half-acre lots. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why. We just don't have sewer out there. Yeah. And so we have to run off septic, but... Yeah, the days of those big houses in the urban areas, I mean, the big lots in the urban areas are fairly well gone unless you just buy and, and, and accumulate lots in a certain area. But the cost of doing that would be... Oh, you'd have to be very wealthy. Yeah, to yeah. Uh, to do that. And those kinds of developments now downtown, it's more density than anything, which is what you see. Mm-hmm. And Andrew can speak to that and David even more than I can of, of just the density that it requires to deliver a housing at a certain price and just, just money. It's just economics. So, speaking of politics, which I know that you weren't, but you are, speaking of politics, smart growth is a buzzword that people really like to throw around. Smart growth. We want smart growth. We want smart growth. And in most municipalities, when they talk about smart growth, what they mean is we want a lack of density. We, we want big houses that are beautiful, and maybe we'll do uh, alleyway parking and stuff like that, but we want very few houses on a piece of property. Where the term smart growth originally came from is in Portland, Oregon. And Portland has the concept, it's a very unique to the United States concept of instead of saying you can only have 100 homes on this piece of property, they say you have to have at least 150 homes on this piece of property. Because what they're trying to do is they're trying to minimize urban sprawl. They're trying to say the farther you have to drive, the more greenhouse gases and so forth you're going to be creating and the more resources that you have to use. So they actually go the other way. Here in Nashville, they'll say you can the most homes you can have on that piece of property is 100. And in Portland, they'll say that you have to have, if you can't figure out how to put 150 homes on it, you can't develop it. I can actually speak to that because I, I recognized and noticed that when my company several years ago relocated us to, from San Francisco to Portland how density how how dense it was and the density of all the neighborhoods was right on top of one another and I'm just like you don't get this in the south the south it's all spread out but every house there was boom 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 you know the other thing that they do which is unique some would say backwards is if you put in a strip mall yeah. here in Nashville they're going to say okay you have x number of square foot of floor space you have to have a minimum of this many parking spaces in portland they say okay you have X amount of square footage of floor. You you cannot have more than this number of parking spaces because they want it to be uncomfortable to drive a car and they want it to be comfortable to ride a bike. Well, I believe Metro's lowered that threshold now in town to where it's less than a spot 
yeah, um, per person or whatever in some of these condos or some of these uh, these buildings to where they're forcing people to either to choose to either get a, to have a car or not have one. Yeah. All and, right. The, but the commercial property in Portland, they they want fewer parking areas because they want people to ride their bikes. So is is it a coincidence that the it seems like parking spots are narrower now when you go into these newer parking? Does that have anything to do with that? Yeah, no? absolutely. Well, yeah, but absolutely. I mean, they, they, if, if well, and and have you noticed Davidson that? County? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And Davidson County, you have to have a minimum. You can't have fewer than right. You can have as many as you want, but you can't have fewer than. But if you're trying to reduce the amount of asphalt that you pave because right. you want to reduce your cost because right. you're trying to make money, then you're going to make the spaces as narrow as you can. And, get, and squeeze them in. We have the we have our one car we call the dog car because we the dog rides in it and it's dirty and it's <laughs> gross. Right. But um, we also are like, well, we'll keep that car forever because if if we go downtown, it's little and mm-hmm. we drive it's a car. Easier to park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of trying trying to park a big Toyota Tundra, you know. Anything else, man? You gotta yeah. have. Jeez, it's crazy. Yeah, the parking spots are getting smaller. A friend of mine, he's got a, a big Ford pickup truck, four door, and we went to the Predators game the other night, and he was trying to park that thing in the Music City Center, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and beside him's like and a little Prius a or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure this is gonna fit, you know, or I'm about to crawl out the sliding glass window yeah. to try to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering if that was just me noticing the lots were getting smaller, or the spots in the lots were getting smaller, or what? But I guess not. No, trend, the amount of parking's reducing. Big time. Hey, we got to jump out to a break. When uh, we get back, we're going to talk about some uh, existing home sales, why mortgage rates are going up, and uh, f- taking the fear out of the mortgage process. So you've been listening to the Money Men Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC. You are listening to the Money Man Mike Show. We talk all things real estate. Before the break, we were talking about lot sizes and parking lot sizes and sewer lines and the sizes of houses and the lots are built on and all that good stuff. During the break, um, Chris brought up the fact of, you know, if you live out in the country, maybe a five acre lot that your family owns and mom wants to deed an acre off to the kids and whatever, but yet, it seems like it's so simplistic to us, but yet in reality, it's a very, very difficult thing. And why is that, Chris? Yeah, so ten, you know, you see these neighborhoods. I'm going to use Delvin Downs as an example. Mm-hmm. We talk about it a lot. And so you heard the term platted subdivision is mm-hmm. what it is. And basically, it's a map, a, pl- a map of this property that's been subdivided up into certain lot sizes, and the county has signed off as an approval that you can build the houses this size. Well, you know, the question is, well, why do I got to do that? Why can't I just put the houses out there without having to worry about that. Well, there's a statute in Tennessee that says that property can be split up and subdivided, but it has to be in minimum five-acre tracks without getting some sort of governmental approval at that point in time to do that. So, yeah, if your parents own 10 acres and you wanted to split it in half and have two five-acre tracks, all you got to do is survey it and be done. And as long as you have five acres on a deed, that's all that matters. Nobody really cares. Now, if you have five acres and you're trying to split that in one-acre lots, mm-hmm. then you have to get the governmental agencies involved at that point in time for sewer and water purposes, electricity purposes, um, just impact to the neighborhood. Go ahead, David. Step in. No, no, but even past that, let's say you have 20 acres and you want to carve off five acres for your kids. It's not that simple either because you got to turn around and get a perk test. You got to get make sure that the land will percolate, which is what that means is that that it will absorb 
the sewer water coming out of your septic system. I wasn't saying sewer, your septic water coming out of the septic system from your from your field. Right. So if it's minimum five acres, you don't necessarily have to have the county and the, the, the governmental agencies involved to do that. But anything below that, you have to have them involved um, to be able to approve plats. You have to have plats done. Well, they're going to have to go to the state to get their PERC test recorded with the health department. Even on the fi- minimum five acres, no, yes. Five, even on I mean, I guess acres. they don't have to if they don't ever plan on building on there. That's right. If you don't build a house on it, no one cares. Then you can have five acres and do whatever. You can slice it off. But if you plan on building on that, yes, even on a five acre, you have to have the septic approvals if you want to go below that and make that smaller you have to have plat maps done you have to have approval from the planning and zoning even if you are out in the middle of nowhere in <laughs> it, you know it doesn't it doesn't matter that's still guidelines to do that so when you see these tracts of land out in the country if you've ever closed on them or looked at properties they're usually like right at five acres a lot of times and because that's the state minimum that they're allowed to have without having to go through the, the per se subdivision process that a builder or developer like Capital Homes would have to do or people he's partners with to do that, um, there's still steps you got to do, but you still don't have to go through the complete process of, of a zoning and approvals and all this other stuff. Devil's advocate side right here. Let's say you did divide 10 acres into two five-acre tracks. Yep. And you build a house on it. Do you still have to get it tested or still have to see if it perks? Oh, yeah. Well, you'd have to do that you, when you're pulling your permits. Um, David knows more of this about than I do. Yeah, um, no matter where you're at. You're going to go to pull a permit and whatever jurisdiction it matters in, whether it's a county or a city. Mm-hmm. And when you go to do that, they're going to say, okay, where's your, where's your septic field? And you don't, if you don't have an approved one from the state, you're, you're done. done. Now, some lots, you know, some land doesn't perk. There's a lot of rocky land around here right. and some don't. Now, the septic systems in today's world have greatly improved and they've got all these different types of systems for land that either won't or barely will perk. They have all these because sometimes it may perk. It may limit how big the house you can build it may only perk for a one bedroom or two bedroom. Right. And you're trying to build a five bedroom house. Um, but they have these new radical systems that are out there uh, that will that will help absorb or pump or whatever. And but they can get really pricey. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And usually you're going to use those types of systems when you're doing a whole subdivision. You're doing 30 homes, and you're going to use one of those alternate perk fields. You're not going to do it for a single house because it's just too expensive. So that's just it. You have to make sure that you, even though your mom and dad, or maybe you're just buying it from your neighbor, if you're going to buy that five-acre tract, you still better make sure it perks. Because if it if it doesn't, you know, where I live out in the country, some of the houses have a uh, have a limit of what they can build size-wise on there because of the, the the absorption of the soil at that point in time. It limits how big of a house or the number of bedrooms they can have uh, in in there. Ours was a four-bedroom, but I know like our neighbors was only perked for a three. And I see land all the time in contracts where houses will perk for only two bedrooms or, or even not perk at all. Yeah, and then people try to get cute about it. They'll build a two-bedroom house with two libraries. And uh, <laughs> you might get away with that in some jurisdictions, but in Williamson County, they will absolutely shut you down. I've seen people sign documents at the table that's, that they have to provide to the county that says that they will not use this as a bedroom. Yeah. The funny thing is, too, is if your if your home, if your site perks for three bedrooms, you can put four bathrooms in it, but you can only put three bedrooms. in. See, I was just about to ask that question. What's it matter how many bedrooms are in it? Why? How many people they anticipate sleeping in the the maximum number they can expect to live in the house? Yeah. All right. So whether you have one bathroom or 10 bathrooms, it's still the number of. 
Yeah. Right, the number of bodies. Which is odd because you could build a 30 by 20 bedroom and stack bunk beds one yeah. to the other, make it a dorm room and put a home one bathroom. Now, Andrew, when you're selling houses and you see septic systems in houses, don't you want – first of all, you know that going in. If you see the you, – you know going in if the house has a septic or, or subject to water or – Well, no, it's on the MLS sheet, but usually – I mean, if it's in a neighborhood, usually you assume it's sewer depending on where you're at in town, but <laughs> – but if you are sell, if you're taking your client client to a resale and it's on a septic system, mm-hmm. there's things that you want them to do, your client to do to make sure it's working right. Oh correct? yeah, you want to have it inspected during home inspection and ask mm-hmm. questions and see. You always usually get a copy of the septic and don't approval and don't be afraid to ask. I did a demo on a house on McAlpine. You know where that's at, East Nashville. I mean, that's East Nashville, it's South Englewood, right? Yeah. And so we tear the house down and we we get rocking and rolling. The house was never hooked up to sewer, mm. and the house next to it was not hooked up to sewer. The sewer was right there. There was a manhole and everything, and the and the tap fee was paid. This has never been connected. It was on a septic tank the whole time. Wow. So you, for year, for decades, decades. Why wouldn't you convert it over? It costs money. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it's tapped and ready to go, I mean, it's just. Well, it's still going to cost you. A you got to trench the line to the house. It's going to cost you a couple grand. Cost a couple grand. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, you got to run the piping out there. You got to unhook the inspected. You got to unhook the septic system itself. Run the pipe to the to the main road. And in the house on McAlpine, no reason I know this is because I worked on it with David. The house was how far off the road? It was a hundred something feet. But the but the there was a sewer manhole. There was a a a, a manhole on the back corner of the property. We only had to go thirty feet. I had never pulled a manhole out. Looked down into it and seen these sewer taps so clean in my life on a on a on a manhole that it was clearly there for decades, twenty thirty years. That thing was sitting there, n- never anything in it, nothing ever in it. JT, yes sir. Did you ever think talking about crap like this would ever be that funny <laughs> or that intriguing? I didn't. I mean, we're pulling off, we're pulling off manhole covers, looking down into the sewer tanks, and nothing. And it's clean. It's clean. Clean as a whistle. Could have walked down in it. Wow. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> And you were giving me crap, no pun intended, about talking about football in the first segment. Whatever, this is still house-related. Ooh, look at the bitterness. Wow. <laughs> Eagle. All right. Come firing out. All right. What about so a the, house, uh, uh, David's tip this week to get us out of the weeds? Uh, uh, <laughs> the tip of the week. This is a very important tip. Right. Whether you've been in your home a long time or you're just moving into your home recently, Make sure that every adult that lives in that house knows where the shutoffs are. Oh, yes. And all the shutoffs. I'm not just talking about the water shutoff. There are usually, in a newer house, is a main shutoff in the house. If not, there is a meter box out in front where you can turn the water off at the meter box. Mm -hmm. If you have gas, there's a gas shutoff at the meter. You can go to the gas meter, turn the the, uh, gas off right there. And electric... Outside, there in most houses, not all the houses out in East Nashville, but most houses, there is a master disconnect right by the meter. You can go out there and you can turn the electricity off for the entire house. It's very, very important. You know where your shutoffs are in case you have water going everywhere, you have an electrical fire, or if you have gas fire somewhere, you want to be able to turn off the source mm-hmm. that's making it worse. So I have a breaker box in my garage and a big thing on the outside of the house. Go to the one outside, throw that one first. All right. Excellent tip, David. No problem. Hey, we got to jump out to the break. When we come back, we're going to talk about those existing home sales. 
mortgage rates and the fear of the mortgage process here on News Radio 1510 WLAC, where you listen to the Money Man Mike Show. Welcome back to News Radio 1510 WLAC and the Money Man Mike Show. Where we talk all things real estate. Home prices, existing home sales rather, not home prices, surged forward again through this fall. You guys want to take a shot at it? How much? Is this national or Tennessee? National. Is this last year compared to this year? Uh, Yes. Okay. It was 10 plus, wasn't it? Mm, no. No? What was it? Up 7%. Close. Uh, Actually, 5.9 year over year. If you look at the month, it was uh, just 2%. Sales are at an annual pace of 5.6 million units. Highest annual pace since February of 2007. Yeah, I was going to say that's back to pre-crash quantities. But the inventory dropped again, or or at least less people are listing their houses, which... Less people are listing their houses, because I I just put up my tree. I ain't taking that down to move. Heck no. We'll relist it in January or February. I I literally took one off last week, because that's what they said. I was like, okay. So are you still, your buyer still I have two brand new buyers. I'm taking out a new couple that I just met yesterday. Well, they emailed me, and I'm taking them out for the first time tomorrow, and then I have another one on Friday. So here's a question for you. And I know that traditional common sense logic is, you know, November, December is kind of a slow mm-hmm. listing your house. You're not missing a whole lot if you wait until January to list it. Mm-hmm. But knowing how low inventory is right now, if someone really wants to move their house, mm-hmm. would you recommend that they list it now or wait? Oh, I would tell them to list it now. Because why? Because there's still people out there looking regardless, and, and, and inventory's low. And there's no competition. Yeah. yeah. And, the, I mean, if you are if you have to move, you're still going to be out looking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so There's some, never really a bad time. So if somebody lists their house mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. they stand a chance of being the only house people get to look at in their neighborhood. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and where would they go to list their house? They would go to eastnashvilleagent.com. Bam. Andrew Brewer sold on the radio. And and if you listed your house this week, mm-hmm. would you be talking about it next week as the house of the week? Absolutely. So you give them the extra benefit of being on Absolutely. air. You'll get to hear your address on on the air. Holy mackerel. We call it added value. Yeah. Holy mackerel, I tell you. And then they Bam. can make that short drive to Delvin Downs. <laughs> <laughs> Sell your house in East Nashville, move on out to the burbs. To the suburbs and get that 10 foot of space you want between there. your other house. <laughs> there you go. What, what was that website they need to go to again? Andrew? I think it's Capital Homes Ideas and then EastNashvilleAgent.com. Rock and if and you roll. can't remember all that, money go to moneymanmike.net. Bam. Go. <laughs> so Why homes are still moving. Man? The prices are going up five something percent. Rates are up. And then rates. So yeah, I, I tell people, us about rates. People are asking me, yeah, what are the rates doing? There's so much stuff on the news about the stock market doing this and the bonds doing that. And give us the lowdown here. The sky is not falling. Although it seems or you can perceive it as fallen, uh, this is a very important week because without getting too technical and showing a bond chart and everything you, and, and going into a history subject lesson, but it's it's you always see this 
tick up in rates after an election. It just is what it is. Volatility, don't know what the new president's going to do, yada, yada, yada. And this went a little bit further, but this week is pivotal because there's a lot of economic data coming out. There's jobs reports and everything else, and we're already seeing the bonds start pretty much hit their bottom and starting to their rebound. And when bonds do good, that pushes rates down. So we we believe you're going to see a reversal here starting this week. And I mean, ultimately, though, rates are going to go up. A healthy economy means rates will go up. Well, you I mean, and what does that yeah, mean? They're what, I mean, so low, they have to go up. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago. The the average thirty year fixed fixed rate mortgage over the last forty five years is eight point two six percent. The average over the last forty five years, and right or about a week ago, uh, actually not a week ago, two weeks ago. On the, uh, I don't know, yeah, two weeks ago, three point nine four. So it's half of what it it's was crazy. over it's the crazy. last forty five years. I, I'm going to disagree with you just briefly. Come on with it. We like the challenge. The the mutual funds and and large uh, 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 pension funds are rotating. They're rotating out of bonds and into stocks. Uh, they're seeing lots of money flow go away from bonds and into stocks, which is why the stock market continues to proceed forward. And why rates are going up because people are selling their bonds to buy stocks right now, yeah. And I, I think that's going to continue. And I, I understand what you're saying, but my opinion is once the momentum starts to go, once you kind of break that bottom, which we have, as rates have gone over four percent and kind of vacillated at there off of three and a half percent. Generally speaking, that trend is years, months, and years of one direction until it turns and goes the other direction. So I think rates are going to go up for the next 24 months or so. Oh, they're going to ultimately go up. We're just going to see a short reversal, but they will go up. I that totally agree be. with that. That could be. I, I just think two years from now we're going to be looking at 5% or more. Two I, years from now, 5%. We talked about this last week where we did yeah. some quick calculations on what that meant yeah. payment difference payment-wise yeah. to folks. And you know, on a $200,000 house, it was – it was, you know, hundred bucks or something like that. I can't remember exactly what yeah. we talked about, but it's this is the conversation we have with buyers. If you've got somebody that's looking to buy here in the next thirty days, we're looking on a very in a very small mm-hmm. window, macro or, or micro. And then if you're going to turn around and you're looking at building and delving down six months down the road, it's a totally different picture. It's yeah. a totally different, you know, setup on what your strategy is, how you're looking to do it, what your cr- profile is, what mm-hmm. you can afford, what you can't afford. So I mean, it's. I think waiting six months could cost you a lot of money. Oh, I know it'll cost you a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I will put. I'll go out there right now and say I know it'll cost you a lot of money. Yeah. I'll be shocked if it does not cost you a lot of money yeah. because prices will go up for the houses. Yeah. So that's going to cost you money, and more often than not, more likely than not, the rates will be higher in six months than they are right now. So on a third three hundred thousand dollar loan, four percent thirty year, the payment is fourteen thirty two. And if we went to five percent, do five and a quarter, five and a quarter, yeah, okay, five point two five. It comes out to sixteen fifty six. That's real so money. So two hundred and twenty bucks. That's real yeah. money. Two hundred and thirty dollars difference a month. Yeah, um, to do that. So that is uh, pretty substantial. Two hundred bucks a month. So what that ends up doing, I guess, is ends up reducing people's buy, reducing people's buying power. Correct. Mm-hmm. Now, Andrew, are you seeing 
more buyers than typical for November, December out looking for a home? Mm, I mean, last year was pretty steady, too. I can't. I mean, in general, yes. From compared to last year, it's about the same. So, so the market, in terms of the number of buyers out there, is still just as strong as it was a year ago, which yes. is just as strong as it was six months ago. Yes. But the inventory is doing what? Well, I mean, and some people buying are kind of slacking off just because they're like not motivated. Yeah. You know, it's Christmas mode and whatever, but they're still out there. They're just not really that focused. Um, but yeah, no, I would say it's it's. Definitely the same as last year. And how about the inventory, the number of homes out there? Oh, there's a lot. There's less. Even less than there was a year ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Do you think, why is the inventory lower? I mean, I guess that's kind of a loaded question, opening question. Is, is it because pricing has gone up? Uh, people have just moved or and, and they're not going to move or they can't find a replacement home? Do you know, is there one driving factor why the why the inventory remains low? I feel like here in Nashville, a lot of people are moving in here, and that's kind of added on to the already high demand. A lot of job creation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so there's the people coming in are taking, are causing, causing there's not one other fact. I mean, yeah, I see what you're saying. Well, I, I think there's also this general a, growth. Yeah. There, there are people, well, as you guys know, I manage a couple of rental properties, and I own a couple of rental properties. And one of the ones that I manage, the person made the conscious decision when a tenant moved out last month. They wanted to sell the property. They were talking about selling the property as late as six months ago. And then last month, when they came time to make the decision, they decided, you know what? That house has gone up about 15% in the last 12 months. I could use another 15%. I'm going to hold on to it. Mm-hmm. And so when values go up the way that they have, they they want to hold on to the property. And I just, you know, it's getting to the end of the year. So I have to do my personal financials for my banks, which is not unusual for me. And one of the things that I have to do every year is I have to do a reasonable calculation of what some of my rental properties are worth. And <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, and I try not to, I, because I don't, I want, I want to state an accurate picture. I don't overstate the value of my properties. Are you forecasting for 12 months or for how long? No, no, for the, at the time. At the time, okay. Yeah, so at the time. So I, I'm looking at December 31st because I'm trying to get it done early so I can turn it in in January. Um in the two two of my rental properties that I did, where I did a full CMA on, not a, quite an appraisal, but a you know kind of an amateur appraisal CMA, I, 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 they were up twenty two percent. Jeez. And I, I and I was trying my best not to be too generous. Yeah, twenty two percent from last year. That this from time, last year, month period, December thirty first to December thirty first. Mm-hmm. It was not hard. It was easy for me to say. That's gone up twenty two percent. I can't believe that. I mean, I really, I, I just when I first did it, I was like, "There's no way." But I just, I even went back and looked at last year's data to make sure that the price that I did last year was not undervalued. Right. That I wasn't being too pessimistic, and twenty two percent. I don't know where. I mean, people are moving here from everywhere, but I mean, it's like. <sighs> I don't, I don't know how to say it other than I just don't know where all these people are necessarily coming from. But, I mean, there's jobs being created everywhere. Like every day you hear about another company, 175 jobs here, 300 jobs there, 400 jobs there. Well, you can drive down the road and see how many places have now hiring signs just up on the oh, up, yeah. up on the street or whatever yeah. for well, doing that. So. A friend of mine owns a convenience store, and he cannot find a full-time employee for $14 an hour. For real? Can't find it. He's in a he's in a very expensive part of town, so that's yeah. part of the problem. Yeah. 
Man. Cannot find it. It's a good problem. Good problem for us as far as growth and everything else in this city. But, uh, hey, Jimmy's pushing us out the door. He says our time is done until next week. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Check us out on Facebook, Money Man Mike Radio. We're out.